marijuana. It is all the rage culturally. It's come out of being taboo and on the margins and very mainstream. I mean, it's been very mainstream for a long time, but it's so mainstream now that it's a part of Christianity and the church and people in the church. Um, here's where I think the progression was and is it's, uh, obviously lots of people, you know, drink in the church and as Christians and they don't see that as sinful. Um, and, uh, and so they say, well, you know, drinking or, uh, you know, alcohol or drinking caffeine or whatever, uh, is basically the same as me smoking weed or eating, you know, berries with, you know, getting high off, you know, the little teddy bear chewables, <laughs> whatever. And, uh, all ages, all stages of life, everything from teenagers to 70 year olds, 80 year olds, whatever. Um, and so what, what should we do about it? What's the church think about it? What does the Bible say? You know, um, here's, here's, here's the, here's my take on it. I think, um, there's a principle in the Bible. So people say, oh, there's no verse that says you can't smoke weed. Well, there's a lot, there's no verse that says a lot of things, um, that, that we can't, but we got to extract principles out of the Bible to go, well, this, this is what that means. And there is a pretty big principle in Ephesians five that says that you can't get drunk on wine. So the principle is you can't get drunk. So wine's okay. Beer's okay, whatever, but it's the getting drunk that is the sin. And so, um, when people start talking about smoking weed, you're smoking weed to get high, period. So the very thing that Paul, so we're not talking about medicinal uh, marijuana and all that stuff. That's that's legit. We take, um, you know, lots of drugs for things, you know, morphine, we get, a, get surgery and we feel quote unquote high from that, but it's for a medicinal purpose for a season. Um, so I don't, that's not part of the conversation. What I'm talking about is recreational use. So the very thing that Paul is against drunkenness in Ephesians 5 is the very reason that people smoke weed recreationally. So you're getting high, the Bible's against it, period. There's really no people say, well, it's just for it to, to calm this down or to do this or whatever. Um, the bottom line is the whole, the whole biblical principle, what's the why behind the biblical principle? The why is Paul says, do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the spirit. So the point is that we're supposed to be always in our right mind. We're not supposed to be extracting pleasure or delight from things that alter our state of mind as a dependent thing, because we have the life of the Holy Spirit to give us that joy that we're looking for, to give us the delight that we're looking for. The thing that people do drugs for is the thing that God, by his spirit, in, in the life of people of faith actually does in our lives. And so the whole point is, do not be drunk on wine, do not be drunk on beer, do not be drunk on whiskey, do not be high on marijuana or high on heroin or high on, you know, whatever. So, um, aside from medicinal purposes for a season, I think it's pretty clear that the Bible would be against Christians smoking weed, Christians eating 
you know, edibles. Um, and not to mention, it's just like, why are 40 year old men with jobs sitting around smoking weed and eating it like edible? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Like we're not 18 years old anymore. You know, we have responsibilities. Let's grow up and, uh, you know, walk in a way that's, you know, as Christians I'm talking about in a way that's, you know, as Paul talks about in Ephesians worthy of the Lord. So, um, I don't think there's much of a debate here. I think the Bible's pretty clear uh, in, in the context of principles. Again, there's no verse, but there's not a lot of verse for everything. And um, I think that that one's pretty clear. Uh, let me talk next about the question of transgender. Uh, this one's a little more nuanced, but obviously we've kind of come to a place as a culture where this is very normative. There's now on the books, people are talking about 50 plus different genders. Um, and you know, the, 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 here, the, the bottom line is even though of course people, um, have different experiences on what they feel and so on. Uh, Nancy Piercy wrote a great book, love thy body, where she talks about how we as a culture have come to a place where we deal in a kind of a two story world, like story, the word story being used, like as, as like, uh, you know, stories in apartment buildings, first floor, second floor kind of thing. You know, the first story on the first floor, there's this, um, <clears throat> there's this, you know, uh, science, objectivity, physicality. And then on the second level, there's spirituality, subjective, how I, and, and feelings, not facts. And instead of dealing, modernity was, you know, a lot based on that first foundational floor, but what we're in now, post-modernity, whatever you want to call it, it kind of, you know, functions on that second level. Most of the time feeling subjectivity, um, and that that's where we, we, we basically say that objective world, the world of the physical, we've come to a place in our culture where we say that doesn't have um, any hints to offer us in who we are. It doesn't have any hints to offer us in our identity. And I think we have to push back against that and say the physical world, we're not dualists, we're not Gnostics in the ancient world. Um, we believe the physical world does point to certain things and has hints in it about meaning and identity. And we should look at the physical world, including the world of our bodies, the way that we're wired and take hints from it about our identity. So I think the biblical stance, the Christian conversation needs to be partly around that. Let's, let's not get into a mode where we so react that we don't think the physical world is able to define our gender anymore, that our gender is only defined by how we feel in a given moment. We have to push against that and say, that's, that's not true. That's not being, it's not being mean. It's just being, it's just not true that we can just flip genders when we feel it because sometimes our feelings are bad uh, guides in life, you know, and uh, we got to understand that, you know, married people don't always feel like serving and loving their spouse. In fact, married people sometimes feel like cheating on their spouse. It doesn't mean they should do it. Following your feelings is sometimes a bad uh, way to go. So we're constantly having self-mastery. We're constantly, you know, um, fighting our feelings at times and trying to discipline them for different reasons. Um, 
That's not to say your feelings don't matter. It's just to say don't live in the world purely where feelings are all that matters. Um, and so holding on to the genders that, that God lays out in Genesis 1 is very important. There is male, there is female. It doesn't collapse into an androgynous, there is no genders anymore reality. That's just not a good worldview. And it's not how um, science... You know, we love to be scientific people and follow what science says. Not what sci- you know, science says. There are genders. This is physiologically how the male brain works. How male, you know, um, uh, how the male body works in certain ways. There's the way the female body. You know, there are those distinctions. Um, now, that none of that is. So we have to hold on to that. We have to retain that. It's a beautiful principle. It's a principle of the Bible. It's a principle from from Genesis one all the way to Revelation twenty two, where Jesus comes back as the as the as the groom. He's marrying the bride, and there's this wedding, and there's it's Adam and Eve. It's it's Jesus and the church in the garden. It's it's this beautiful retained imagery of um, female and male together being the image of God. All of that we can't collapse it. Uh, they tried to do that in ancient reality, and it's, it doesn't work. Uh, it's no good, and we, and we shouldn't put people uh, through a shame, uh, guilt filter because they believe that genders are retained in society, in reality, in the in in the world. All of that to say, though, that uh, of course people, um, through experiences, through feelings, whatever, may want to become another gender. And so what we need to do is we need to lovingly walk through that with them and understand that, uh, their feelings are real and we need to love, 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 love them like Jesus would love them to walk with them. Um, just because they might not agree with our worldview, our theology, our stance on something. There was lots of people. You can't get away from how Jesus treated people. So when I see things online from Christians, you know, I was, there was this meme that this person posted, um, yesterday, uh, on social media. And it said something like there was two kids and they were walking along a pathway. And one of them said, you know, they tell me that there are 52, you know, genders now or whatever. And then the other kid says, no, there's two genders and 50 mental illnesses. Um, that's just mean spirited. That's just, you know, it's wrong to speak like that as a Christian, where you're, where the way that you address issues has to be done in love, has to be nuanced, has to constantly look at what Jesus did. He hung out with and journeyed alongside, didn't, wasn't afraid to speak truth, but also, you know, spoke it with nuance, um, with people who he disagreed with, uh, morally who he disagreed with in regard to theology. Um, and you just go down the line, the woman caught in adultery, uh, the Zacchaeus, uh, the, 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 the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes. These aren't people. He was walking along these people. He didn't stop every two seconds. Thinking, now this is what I believe. Oh, you disagree with me on this. You're wrong about this with your lifestyle. And just cause I'm with you that he doesn't do that. At least we're not told that. Um, he's with them. He's present with them. And I think the church needs to do a great job at, at being full. John says Jesus was full of grace and truth. 
full of grace and truth. I think we need to be 100% grace and 100% truth at the same time. And so, of course, we hold on to things and say, hey, look, um, I want to, I want to, I want to just, I don't want to just, just like you wouldn't just accept anything that I feel in a given moment. I want to talk through these feelings that you're having and see whether they suss out in reality and you have proclivities or tendencies in one way or the other. That doesn't by necessity mean those proclivities or necessities are the best thing for you. We know that about anything in life. I might have a tendency toward ice cream or anger or whatever. Just because we feel it doesn't mean it's the best thing for us. So at least alongside of our friends and our family, being able to lovingly journey alongside, challenge on the one hand, and love, love, love on the other. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's the call and the posture uh, of the church when it comes to this. And there's obviously so many other issues to crack down on and how this affects society and, you know, all these things that Christians kind of freak out about. But I think just understanding the framework of Christians saying, yes, in the, in the midst of the confusion of the cultural conversation about transgenderism, there is a biblical view that there are male and female. Uh, interestingly, even when when Paul's writing Corinthians, he's writing to a culture who has literally done the same thing we've done. He, they collapse the genders, um, which is why he goes out of his way to retain gender stuff, which is where we get all these um, things in the context of worship services in 1 Corinthians 11 to 14. He keeps talking about like, this is what a guy can do. This is what a girl can do. This is what this is. He's going on because um, there was a group that actually tried to collapse for reasons that would bore you, but uh, theologically, but um, it's, it's called an overrealized eschatology where they, they believe the end has come. So they're like angels. That's why he says, don't shame the angels. So angels are androgynous. They have no gender. So they're acting like, that time has come and they're Christians now. So they're living in the new age, which means genders aren't a thing and we should all be like angels. And Paul goes out of his way over and over. It's the nuance of uh, it's underneath it's bubbling underneath 11 to 14 and ultimately in 15 of the book of first Corinthians, where he's saying, no, no, you got to hold on to genders. They're important. Male, female, that's still a thing. But of course, if there are people who are confused about that, like people confused about anything in the context of sexuality, it's we're complicated creatures. Where our experiences, where our feelings, where our theology, where our philosophy, where our physiology, where all of these things, and we need to wade through these things with love, with respect, with uh, with with uh, words uh, seasoned like salt, as Paul talks about in in Colossians and make sure that we're not just because we hold a particular worldview which which is biblical it's legit you should you don't need to apologize for that but in the culture wars context uh, not to cut down because you have a conservative politics or you have a liberal politics which means you have to you know demonize everybody on the other side that's not what Jesus did he walked with he journeyed with and yet he believed in the the things of the kingdom and so uh, anyway, I think that's just a quick summary on uh, weed and transgenderism. Much more to say, of course, and I'm sure I'll do another podcast on this. But uh, yeah, hope you're doing well.